This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, I see myself uh, as a human who was born with sin that has broken me. And that sin makes me want to reach into a bowl of candy that's really unhealthy for me. In the moment, it's great, but eventually it'll kill me. And God's smacking my hand saying no. And like a three or four year old, he can't convince me. I just have to trust. I just have to trust his authority. I just have to trust his authority. No, you, you can't have that to think, you know, I don't know why dad is saying this, but I know my dad loves me. Thanks for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry podcast of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian about his final message in our series called Foundations. In this series, Pastor Christian has been helping us understand that we can trust the Bible. Well, Pastor Christian, thanks for being with us today. And I feel like we just started this series. It's gone by so fast. It's been I think really impactful in many many people's lives. I hope so. Yeah, it's five weeks, and I'll I'll be honest. I I feel like we could go ten more. I feel like every message has been uh, too little. I feel like every message has been too fast. Uh, and I'm really I'm grateful for the podcast because it's it's allowed us to breathe a little more into this series than just five Sunday morning messages, having the ability to unpack some extra things, uh, even like we'll do on today's podcast, I think has been valuable. But there certainly needs to be a foundations part two in our future that that just continues to answer more questions uh, and really build on the foundation of the the power um, and the truth of Scripture and and how Christians should view it. Let's do it. I like that idea. Foundations part two. Let's do it. Well, in this series, we've talked about the purpose of the Bible. We've talked about how we got the Bible. We've talked about the historical reliability of the Bible. And was the Bible truly written for us? But after all of these conversations, I believe it really comes down to this question that you tackled on Sunday. Does the Bible still have spiritual authority today? Um, so here's my question. Does the authority of a, uh, the, does the authority of scripture only apply to those who have embraced the teachings of the Bible? Or does the authority of the Bible extend even beyond Christians? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So one of the big things we did in this message is we, uh, we took the mask of this, of this question off of Satan. You know, you, the, our conversation on Sunday was, does the Bible have spiritual authority today? You could remove the word today. Mm-hmm. Because Satan's first question to humanity, do you really believe God has authority? You don't have to put today, right? The the way this question has been both sanitized and kind of intellectualized is this. Can you really trust a book that's 2,000 years old? Mm. That That from a scholarly perspective is a really good question. But it's the exact same question Satan asked in the Garden of Eden. When, when we see how he asks questions, he just added kind of a, a postscript on it. To, can you really trust God any day of your life? He's tried to clean it up a little bit to trick us, but the reality is that lie of the devil that you can't trust Scripture, it, it's any day. And to answer your question, does the authority of Scripture only apply to those who've embraced its teaching, or does the authority of Scripture extend even beyond Christians? Right. Uh, you don't have to, we, we don't have to leave scene one. Yes. Genesis chapter three. Um, Satan is in the garden with Adam and Eve. He clearly believes that the scripture and the authority of scripture does not apply to him, nor does he want it to apply to anybody else. But was he judged by the authority of scripture? He certainly was. Mm -hmm. He told Adam and Eve, you don't have to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. 
What's God going to do to us? And God told Adam, here's your curse. He told Eve, here's your curse. And he told Satan, here's your curse, which was the worst one of all. Um, you have, you've put a bruise on mankind's heel, but my son is going to come and he is going to stomp your head. He's, he's going to, he's going to stomp you out. He's going to, uh, he's going to kill and thwart your plans for eternity. So mm-hmm. do, do people who don't embrace the teachings of scripture still stand accountable at the end of time. That's what we choose to believe, which is why we have an urgency to tell people about Jesus. If I did not believe that, I wouldn't have such an urgency to tell people about Jesus. But the Apostle Paul says, believing that there is a judgment, believing that there is death, believing that there is accountability, we are compelled. We have to tell people about Jesus. Uh, So really, yes, uh, we believe Everyone is accountable. Uh, that's our belief. That's what we choose to believe. And it's our driving motivator. It's, it's our passion. Uh, one, we have to help them know they're accountable. And then two, we have to help them understand that while they can never meet the standard, they can meet the Savior, and he will meet the standard for them. Pastor Christian, in your message on Sunday, you addressed three lies of the devil. Let's talk about those individually for a moment, if you don't mind. Lie number one from the devil is this. You can't trust God's word. This statement you used from Pastor Chris Hodges was strong. It said this, if we believe what we like in the Bible, but don't believe what we don't like, it's not the Bible we trust, but ourselves. Uh, Some of our friends who are not Christians, but are somewhat familiar with the Bible might argue this. They might say, but that's what you Christians do. You pick and choose parts of the Bible that you will or will not follow. For example, What authority should Old Testament scripture have in our lives where there are instructions like this? Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. That's found in Leviticus 19.28. Many of our Christian friends apparently have disregarded this question, right, Pastor Christian, because they have tattoos. So so what do we make of those Old Testament passages? Well, first, you you always have to understand the entire Bible to translate any verse. I mean, to to look into any verse, you have to understand the whole Bible, uh, and to it and to address that verse specifically, right? We find th- we find three law, three types of laws in old in Old Testament Israel, in Old Testament Judaism: civil laws, ceremonial laws, and moral laws. Uh, the civil laws dealt dealt with government. Uh, they dealt with taxation. They dealt they dealt with the way the country of Israel would be run. Those civil laws really are only for it. They are the civil laws of Israel. They're the Declaration of Independence. They're the Constitution mm-hmm. of Israel. They, they apply to that country. Um, the ceremonial laws really deal with what I would call Judaism. Uh, they are laws of worship. They are laws of washing. Uh, they are, they are laws of, of the Jewish, the, the Jewish, um, and the Jewish system of Judaism, uh, and that worship of God in the Old Testament through the, the Levitical priesthood. Um, those are great to learn about. Those give us a great picture of Jesus. Uh, but clearly, as, as Christians, we don't go to the high priest uh, of Israel anymore and sacrifice an animal because we believe Jesus' sacrifice um, was the ultimate, not ceremony, but reality of God's forgiveness. But then there are moral laws mm-hmm. and moral laws, the people-to-people laws of the Old Testament. Moral laws don't change. Uh, and and really, we don't like to cha- we don't like to we don't like to without New Testament doctrine say that kind of any Old Testament laws have changed. Right. You say, well, you don't need a kosher diet anymore. That's because in Acts chapter 9, 
God told Peter, um, listen, I don't judge people based on their diets anymore. And in Acts chapter 15, the, the, the Jerusalem council wrote a letter to the Gentile churches saying, basically, listen, you don't have, you don't have to become Jewish to become a Christian. Just, just obey these few little things that we think would really, really honor God. Uh, so we, we look at the Old Testament. You have to understand, you have to understand who the Old Testament was written to, what it was written for. You have to understand the, the civil nature of some of the laws that governed the country. You have to understand the ceremonial nature of some of the laws that governed worship. But then the laws of morality, unless those are undone, uh, like one of the laws of morality was eye, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's going to really keep people um, from committing crimes. Later, um, Jesus would say, you've heard that it was said that. But here's what we're going to do now. We're going to forgive. We're going to go the extra mile. We're going to do more. So there are some, some specific people-to-people laws that Jesus expanded on, that he took to the next level to expose the heart of people who love God. But where a law is not spoken to morally, we got we got to keep that law because God is not, he's not given me permission. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's given you permission. No. Um, he's, he's not given me permission to say, I set this law in the Old Testament. I didn't undo it in the New Testament, but you, you can feel free to in 2019 to undo those laws if, um, if you want. So civil laws, great to study. I think a lot of them are, are great for government today. Ceremonial laws really show us who Jesus was and all the symbols of the Jewish ceremony uh, in Judaism. But those moral laws, those person-to-person laws like do not murder, mm-hmm. don't commit adultery, don't steal from each other, don't lie to each other, those are timeless in the morality of people-to-people laws. So we, we would say this specific law um, was, a, was a civil law in Israel. Mm-hmm. As an Israeli citizen, you're not supposed to cut your body for the dead or, or get a tattoo. Um, you and I aren't Israeli citizens. I'm not telling everyone to go get a tattoo. I, I don't have any right now, so I could be an Old Testament Israeli citizen, sure. at least according to this verse. Um, but those are, Brandon, those are great discussions to have. Yes. In, instead of, those are not arguments mm-hmm. to give up on. Those are discussions to have. What What does that mean? What should it, what should it mean to me? Should I do this or should I not do this? Because when churches, Christian churches try to go back and enforce some laws like that, we call that legalism. Mm-hmm. Um, we say you're making laws about Christianity that Jesus did not appear to have in the New Testament. So these are great, man, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, but be an honest skeptic. Don't use them for arguments, use mm-hmm. them for questions and let's have a conversation. And I love how you. Uh, started that question. We have to look at Scripture holistically. We can't look and pick and choose just one area and use that as an argument to say, no. you know what, I'm not going to abide by what this says. You can't. You can't do that in any. You can't do that in any, any area of life. You can't do it in math. You can't do it in science. You can't do it in law. You can't do it in history. Uh, you always have to have correct context to get good truth. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about lie number two from the devil. Um, you stated that the devil uses this. He says, you don't have to follow God's word. You talked about how we should view God's word. You stated that God's word is a guidebook to our most fulfilling spiritual life. I need your help a little bit unpacking this a little bit more because there may be someone listening right now that may be thinking, I try to live my life by the teachings of scripture, but my life is definitely not any easier. Am I doing something wrong? What encouragement would you have to that individual who might be asking that question? Well, first I would say this. We we have to understand that the author of life is the only one who can really show us what a fulfilling life looks like. So our picture of a an absolutely fulfilled life may be wrong. If for us we're thinking an absolutely fulfilled life is great family, great health, 
great finances, um, great fitness, you know, great house, great car, great job. Um, if that's what we say is fulfilling, we could be left empty. Um, you know, Jesus said, I've come to have life and, and to give you life more abundantly, like the best kind of life you can have that is filled with things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, no one would, no one would argue that is life. And that's what I give to people. So there are some commands of life uh, that that following them make things difficult culturally, make things difficult relationally, make things difficult socially. They make things difficult personally. We are all we are all born with a sinful bent towards something. Uh, so Jesus uses words like it's interesting because a lot of people say a fulfilled life should be an easy life. But Jesus, in other areas, calls the fulfilled life a life of denying yourself, a life of taking up your cross. You say, how could both of those be true? How could something totally fulfilling be something that demands sacrifice? How could something totally fulfilling be something that demands denying myself? Well, those are good questions to ask, and you're going to have to back up from what your picture of a fulfilling life is and begin to ask God, God, what is your picture of a fulfilling life. And God would say, as we move through scripture, here's what a fulfilled looks life looks like. It looks like to know personally, to being transformed personally that started with Adam and Eve uh, being transformed from lump of uh, a lump of clay uh, or a rib Mm -hmm. to perfect human beings. And then when they became imperfect human beings, it became uh, a transformation of redeemed human beings so that they could find their purpose, take care of the garden, uh, be fruitful, multiply, raise a family, a generation of people who will know me. And then the difference they made in the world was producing a generation of people that has us sitting here talking about this today, that has someone else listening to it in their car or while they work out at some point next week. Uh, Adam and Eve knew God. They were transformed from a lump of clay to perfect, perfect, imperfect, imperfect to redeemed to find their purpose, fulfill their purpose, make a difference so that the world could know who God was. And when we, when we, when we see that as being the fulfilled life, we're going to realize it's probably going to take some sacrifice to get there. It's going to take some denial to get there, but it's going to end in the last day of this life, which begins in the first day of real life, mm. walking into an eternal home with a face to face relationship with Jesus in which we will live eternally. We have to change our definition of fulfilled life so that we might pick up the cross of Christianity and lug it on the hard days through the streets mm-hmm. of Jerusalem. I love how you made the connection between a fulfilled life and a purpose-filled life. Like that is yes. ultimately the definition. Are yeah. we living within our purpose? And I think a fulfilled life is about me. A purposeful life is is about yeah. God and others. Yeah. Right? A statement you recently made, I can't, I think it was in one of our prayer mornings that I wrote down, and I'll, I won't forget it. You said, why should we ever expect to have a life that is better than the life of Jesus? Yeah. And he was a man who lived with a purpose. And and I would say perfectly fulfilled what God created him, uh, or, or what God sent him to do. Pastor Christian, let's get practical for just a moment, understanding that Satan is an expert at lies and disguises who frequently uses half-truths to distract us from the truth, what strategy have you found most beneficial to filter out these lies from all of the different opinions and beliefs from our, from our culture today? Well, you have, you have to choose. Um, and I, I believe God has given us reasons to choose through general revelation, special revelation. I believe how the collection of the 66 books of the Bible has come together is, has proven that it's a divine book, but you, you have to choose 
to let scripture be your foundation. You have to choose you have to choose a starting point. Mm. And and for me the starting point is the Bible. Uh, you know, I talked about at the end of my message the need for um for moral authority that was recognized by everyone. Whether it's red lights and green lights and everyone realizing red means stop and green means go and if not everyone agrees with that, we have a mess. Whether it's an air traffic controller that says you land now, you land in 10 seconds, you land in 10 minutes. And everyone obeying that voice or just mass chaos breaking, whether it's the yellow lines on the road, they say, I stay on this side, you stay on this side, and we can both drive fast enough to get where we're going. But if you if you think you're supposed to be on the left side and I think I'm supposed to be on the right side, when when there is not when there's not a recognition of moral authority, mm. there is the presence of of just mass suffering and just mass chaos. And I think that the thought that we ended with in Judges twenty one twenty five, you know, in those days in Israel there wasn't a king; everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. I think that's where culture is right now. Uh, we're we're trying to pick and choose what we want our foundation to look like. And I, I think as a Christian, you have to say, no, the foundation is the Bible. Everything goes back to that. Everything has to be run through the lens of Scripture. And everything I can follow, I will. Um, everything I have to follow, I'll try. And all those things I don't understand, I'll trust. I think. I mean, I think that's where we get back to with the Bible. Um, if I can follow it, I will. If I have to follow it, I'll. I'll try. I mean, I'm like I would. I will give it my all in this sinful flesh to do the very best I can. And the things that I just don't understand, I, that I even find hard to believe, man, I'll just. I'll just. Uh, I'll trust. Mm-hmm. I'll just try. I'll embrace. I'll embrace the truth because of the Savior who gave His all for me. Um, you know, and, and when the whisper comes up, did God really say, yeah, he did. I mean, I can go look, I can go look in the Bible. Yeah, he did say that. What do you think he really meant that? Well, I don't imagine that God would ever say anything that he didn't mean. Well, do you, do you believe that? Um, well, it's hard for me to believe, but I trust Jesus and he told me to believe it. See, I guess, I guess I'm going to, um, and I, you know, I think where I go back to is Isaiah 55 talks about God's ways being higher than Mm -hmm. our ways. That there are just some things we can never understand, but we have to trust. Uh, and I, I've heard it explained this way, that, you know, uh, humanity trying to understand the heart and the hand and the guidelines of God in every area and trying to think we could wrap our minds around it would be like a dog trying to do math. Um, it's just like their minds just aren't built for it. I think that's a bad illustration because because it comes from the dog's perspective. Yeah. Here's how I like to better see that. When my kids were two or three years old, there were things I knew as a parent that they couldn't possibly comprehend. But as a parent, I had to know, like, I had to know when to say no. I had to know when to say go to bed. Um, if, if you were a parent of a four or five-year-old who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes uh, from birth, and your, kids, and your kids wanted to eat a bowl of candy every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they would think you were the meanest mom or dad mm-hmm. in the world. Every time you said no, but you would know at that stage of their life what they could never know, that what they enjoyed for a moment would kill them eventually. Mm. As a parent, you would say no. That's how I see the God of Scripture. I see myself not as a dog who can't do math. I see myself uh, as a human who was born with sin that has broken me. And that sin makes me want to reach into a bowl of candy that's really unhealthy for me. In the moment, it's great, but eventually it'll kill me. And God's smacking my hand saying no. And like a three or four-year-old, he can't convince me. 
I just have to trust. I just have to trust his authority. I just have to trust his authority. No, you you can't have that to think. You know, I don't know why Dad is saying this, but I know my dad loves me. Um, so I guess I won't have candy today <laughs> until he's not looking. And every now and then we pursue that sin. Yes, and we feel the remnants of it um, in our body. And eventually we learn Dad's right. Uh, in Christianity, eventually you learn Dad's right. Mm. So find out what he has to say. Um, do it. Trust him. And I believe eventually even if it's in eternity one day, you're going to find out that's right um, and that you could have trusted him all along. That's a really good illustration. Well, Pastor Christian, last question for today. Um, the Foundation Series has been so good. Can you give us a sneak peek of what's coming up next? Yeah, so the Foundation Series was was an answer to this question. What externally do our people need to know? What externally might be putting pressure on people's faith? And it was this thought that there might be some question people who question whether or not the Bible really is from God, and, and they really need to have a confidence in that before they'll dig into it. Uh, maybe not until they realize it really is the Word of God that they're accountable for will they think, well, I better open up and read it. So it's the, the we tried to answer the external problem of this could be a spiritual obstacle if you don't know it. The next series is called Gr- the Grim Reaper, and it's a Christian perspective on death and suffering. This is an internal obstacle for people because mm. I've watched in the last eight years as a senior pastor, more people hit not just a speed bump, but a roadblock, a detour in their faith by experiencing death or suffering and not knowing how to deal with that, not knowing in their own soul how to answer those questions, not knowing in their own soul how to process things. I've watched more people stop dead in their tracks by death and suffering than maybe anything else that we go through. Uh, so I thought, man, if we can teach people how to really understand and process death. If we can teach people how to really understand and process suffering when it comes in their life, because it's a when, not an if. When it mm-hmm. comes in their life, they'll have the tools, they'll have the resources to answer those questions for their own heart, just like they now have the resources to answer questions for their friends of why do you trust the Bible? They're going to need to be able to answer for their own soul one day. How could God let this happen? Why did God let this happen? What am I supposed to do with this? How's God, how's God going to use this? What am I supposed to think about now? So all of October, we'll be talking about death and suffering, highlighted by the final Sunday of it, November 3, uh, where we have Brittany Price and her husband. Brittany Price uh, lost her husband in her 30s. Her husband, I think, lost his wife in his late 30s, early 40s. Both of them went through extreme tragedy at a very young age. They're going to come share their story. Because it's one thing to get up and say, this is what the Bible says. It's another thing for a Christian to get up and say, this is how I made it through. Uh, So we're really, really excited for this entire series, culminating in an interview with Brittany and her husband, um, just talking about, tell tell us how this works. Mm. Um, Man, in the prime of life, you lost your husband. In the prime of life, you lost your wife. How'd you do it? Why do you still believe? How can you still love God? Help Help us understand your process so we can walk through that. When, not if, when it becomes real in our life. Sounds like it's going to be another great series, and and I am definitely looking forward to it. So thank you, Pastor Christian. And on behalf of Pastor Christian and myself, we are so thankful that you've carved out a few minutes of your day to listen to the podcast. Our prayer is that you've been challenged today in some way to read, to learn, and apply God's worth with greater intensity so that your life reflects more of Jesus each and every day. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. 
If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.